0: Our outward deeds are a window into our hearts.
1: Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth.
0: One thing for sure, God wasn't happy with the wickedness of man's sin here in Genesis chapter 6. We're told in verse 3 that God said he would not continue to strive with men and said men would have just 120 years and judgment would happen. Notice how the Bible says in verse six that God was sorry that he made man. He goes on to say that it grieved his heart. Yes, man has displeased God. It hurt God. I wonder if we ever think about how much our sin grieves the heart of God. I mean, forget the consequences that we have, right? Because the reap what you sow is always going to happen. Hey, may you rip people off? You're going to get ripped off. You know, if you lie and cheat, you're going to get lied and cheated to. You know, it's just what happens, you know, you're going to reap what you sow. But forget about that for a second, how much it's going to cost you. Have you really thought, have you considered the pain that it costs our God when we sin against him? Well, of course, we go back to him. Oh, God, forgive me. We ask him to clean up our mess and all those things. And well, God's commitment to us is much greater than our commitment to him. And he usually does that and he cleans up our messes. But know this, we can all grieve and we can all break the heart of God when we willingly as believers disobey and sin against him. That's why we're exhorted in Ephesians 4.30. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Plus, we must understand, when we do sin, God takes no pleasure in having to discipline us. God's not up there with a big two-by-four. Oh, you get out of line. I'm going to take you to the woodshed. I'm going to take you out. You know, God takes no pleasure in disciplining us because of our sin. You remember back in Jeremiah's day, Jeremiah the prophet was saying, you're all going to go into bondage. Babylon is going to come down and put the smack down on you. He's going to crush you. They're going to Topple Israel and Jerusalem, and you're all going to go into bondage unless you repent. And the people said, "Uh, yeah, hang that in your ear. Put it in your pipe and smoke it, Jeremiah. We don't care, okay? We're not going to listen to you. We're not going to have any of this. We're going to do our own thing. We're going to live in sin, just like people today. They just continue to live in sin and do things that that are totally displeasing to God, and they don't care. And the more wickedness it goes, it just breeds more and more wickedness, like what we're seeing all over around us and it just happens and happens and so here was what was going to happen Babylon a wicked nation more wicked than God's people they were going to come down and crush them why because the people of God knew better so God even though this was all in motion and even though Babylon was coming down with this mighty army That was going to put siege to Israel, to Jerusalem, and take everyone into bondage and take them back to Babylon. This is what God said in Jeremiah 26, which is about halfway through the book of Jeremiah. He says, perhaps they will listen and everyone will turn from their evil way that I may repent of the calamity, God says, which I'm planning to do to them because of the evilness of their deeds he goes, look, I'm a just God. I'm a holy God. I cannot not judge you when you're living in sin because I'm holy and I have to bring that judgment down. So he says, but if you repent, then I won't judge you. If you repent and say, God, I'm sorry. You know, repentance means you're walking in a particular direction. You stop, change directions and you go and follow the Lord. See, in a godly sense of repentance, it means you turn from walking your way, and you walk God's way. So here he is in Jeremiah saying, look, if you repent right now, I've got Babylon coming down. I'll throw a tornado on them. I'll do a tsunami on them. I'll do whatever. I will wipe them out if you repent. But if you don't, then I'm going to let them come in and crush you, completely crush you. Yes, that's what God did. Yes, The heart of God is always to get his people to repent. Can you repent? Why? Because God loves us. He wants to be compassionate to us. He wants to forgive us. But if we don't repent, then we're going to get crushed. People say, well, how can God send someone to hell? Excuse me. God sends no one to hell. People send themselves there when they refuse to come to the love of God, when they refuse to repent, which brings up our second point the favor of god that's what we're talking about right now the favor of god so genesis chapter 6 verse 8 says but noah found favor in the eyes of the lord wow see i love when the butts are in the right place but noah found grace in the eyes of the lord okay verse 9 these are the records of the generations of noah noah was a righteous man blameless in his time Noah walked with God. And Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. Gee, sounds like today. And God looked on the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood and you shall make the ark with rooms and you shall cover it inside and out with pitch." We'll stop there just for a moment. Yes, the Bible talks about the wrath of God and he talks a lot about the wrath of God in the Bible. But know this, it also talks a lot about the grace and the mercy of God. The whole world was filled with violence, we're told here. People were corrupt. They had no desire to live upright and moral lives, just like we see today. Yet Noah walked with God. And Noah found favor in God's eyes, even though the world around him was coming apart at the seams. The King James Bible says in verse 8 that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And that's exactly what happened to you and me if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. For our time is just like Noah's time. We are seeing a rise in crime like no time in the history of our country. And progressives, they want to take out prisons. And the more they defund the police, the more wickedness is exploding. Are we not already seeing? the beginning of this? Like, excuse me, we just started this and it's not working. This is not working at all. Yes, our time is just like Noah's time. We're seeing the hearts of the majority of the human population here on planet earth now fully rejecting God. We're seeing it in two different ways. We have this new liberal left wing of the Democrat party that promotes violence, this progressive side, calling it peaceful protests it's like uh do you watch the news do you see the videos this isn't peaceful protests okay so you're against america you're against the president but where does the bible come in why are you burning bibles too so do you see where this is being instigated from from the pits of hell so they're rejecting god straight up we don't want america to stand We don't want, why? Because America is a nation founded on the principles of God. They're burning the Bibles in front of us. This includes those less radical. They reject God as a creator by insisting that the world will we created ourselves through evolution. So you have that group. So you have the radical progressives, then you have the not so radical, but no, no, God didn't create the earth. We created ourselves through an evolutionary process. So they reject God in that way. They're less radical, but nonetheless, they're still rejecting God. Okay. Then we have those who are even less radical and they might even attend church every Sunday. They might call themselves and consider themselves religious. They might even go as far as considering themselves Christians. But they have rejected the word of God. And they reject it by their own lifestyles. Yes, they say with their mouth, oh, I believe in God. Yet by their own lifestyles, they reject them, preferring to stand with culture instead of God's word. See, that's why the Bible says, if you say that you know him, but yet your walk, your lifestyle is different than you're a liar and the truth isn't in you. So you can say all day long, I'm a Christian, I go to church, I listen to Christian music, I carry a Bible. But if you reject the word of God, then you're rejecting what you say that you believe in. And so therefore you're a poser. If you say that you know him, but yet you walk in darkness, you're a liar and the truth isn't in you. So you have people that claim to be Christians, but yet they're pro abortion Oh, yes, absolutely. It's a woman's right. What's wrong with you? It's a woman's right. And so they'll promote and they'll vote for everyone who is pro-abortion, and yet they claim to be Christians. Like, how can you claim to be a Christian, and then you say it's okay to take the life of a baby outside of a mother's womb? And then the same thing with these people that say, oh, but I want to stick with culture because I don't want to go against, I don't want to be cancel cultured, you know? So they'll say, oh, it's okay, you know, if you're a man and you want to be a woman, and if you're a woman and you want to be a man, it's okay. No, God says he created them male and female, okay? No, you can't switch. You're not binary. You can't, you can't switch who you are. You can't say, oh, well, I'm a woman now. No, it's, I'm sorry. God made you male and female, and then you say, well, it's okay for same sexes to get married. It's like, well, God says, you know, marriage is between a man and a woman, not between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. See, so you know, this is what God's word says. So when you say, I'm a believer, but yet I reject this of God's word, I reject that, because I'm gonna go with what you know popularity and culture says, it's like, no, you're not the true believer. You're not who you claim to be. You claim to be one thing, but you're not. See, Jesus said this in John 3:19. This is the judgment that light has come into the world and men, listen, men and women love darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for the fear of their own deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. When you come to Christ, when you're a true believer, then you have to reject these other things. You have to, because because you're going to stand with what God says. Listen, the word of God is not always what you want to hear, but it's always what you need to hear. And if you don't agree with the word of God, then you have to change the way you believe. You have to change you, because the word of God is never going to change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But To the person who does, to the person who says, you know what? I'm living in this lifestyle and God says it's wrong. I'm going to repent and turn from that lifestyle. I'm going to do it God's way. God bless you. God bless you. Because we have all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all got baggage. We've all got stuff in the closet. We've all got buried stuff in our lives that we wish we would have never done. But when we come to Christ and we turn from our sin, oh my goodness, God cleanses us as if we have never, ever sinned. Doesn't matter what you've done in the past, don't matter where you've been, when you repent, God says, I have washed you clean. I have justified you. I have made you as if you have never sinned. You are now the righteousness of god in jesus you are in right standings with him and praise god for that know this our outward deeds are a window into our hearts how we carry ourselves outwardly is a shining light into our heart on who we really are but when we repent of our sin, look how God responds in Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works that no one can boast. That's why I love when David cried out in Psalm 51, he says, Oh God, before you and you only have I sinned. He says, blot out my sin, exterminate it, wash me clean, he says. Who can do that? Who can wash us as if we never did something? That's how God forgives us. He makes us like we had never, ever done it. Who can do that? Only God can do that. Who can cleanse a wretched heart from all the filth and nastiness and perversion? God can. Who can save us from ourselves? God can. He's the only one. That's why he says in Isaiah 118, Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as red as scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. You will be precious and pure before me. No matter how much you defile yourself, I will make you precious and you will be white as snow. Which brings up our third and final point, the way of escape. God always makes a way of escape picking up in verse 15, it says, this is how you shall make it. Talking about the ark that he told him to make that we just read about. He says, this is how you're going to make it. The length of the ark is going to be 300 cubits. It's breadth, 50 cubits. It's height, 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and finish it to a cubic from the top and set the door of the ark on the side of it. And you shall make it with a lower a second and a third deck. So it's a triple decker inside. Verse 17. Behold, even I am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth will perish. Wow. Wow. And that's going to happen again. It's going to happen again when the apocalypse begins. Verse eighteen, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall enter the ark, and you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you and every living thing of all flesh you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you, and they shall be male and female of the birds after the kind and of the animals after their kind, and every creeping thing of the ground after its kind, two of every kind will come to you in Keep them alive, and as for you, take for yourself some of all food which is edible, and gather it for yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them, the animals. Thus Noah did, according to all that God had commanded him. So he did. Now my question right here, the first thing that pops in my mind is Noah, why did you let those two flies in? And what about the two mosquitoes? Why? Why? You could have just right there. but bam Anyway, that's a whole other story. We'll get on that another time. But anyway, yes, God gives Noah the way of escape because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And for all of us, there's a way of escape. We will not be here during the apocalypse God will take us away. We will be snatched away like he did with Enoch. The rapture of the church will happen before the seven-year tribulation period will happen. Yes, God gave Noah the way of escape. It was by building a huge boat for him. This must have sounded completely crazy and insane to Noah when God shared it with him. Why? Because it still sounds crazy today, does it not? Could you imagine what the people must have thought back in the day? They must have thought Noah was a madman. It would be like someone building a giant boat in Pico Rivera. Like, what are you going to do with that? It's too big to move. Where are you going to set sail? You know, what is it going to be used for? And just how big was the ark? Grande! It was big. This is a big boat. First, we have to determine how big is a cubit. So a cubit was kind of like from the elbow up here. So it wasn't an exact measurement, kind of what you made it, okay? So they say it's somewhere between 18 and 21 inches. So if you're building something, you just decide what your cubit's going to be, and then that's what it's going to be for everything, so you just do all the same. So they say it's somewhere between 18 and 21 inches long. So if we went on the small side of that number using the shortest number of the cubit, it would make the arc 450 feet long. Now, Ken Ham, that built the ark there in Tennessee, you know, he used a 21-inch number, so his is like, I don't know, 520 feet long. But at 450 feet long, think about it, that's a football field and a half long, okay? That's a big boat. It's 75 feet wide. It's 45 feet tall. Many people have mocked Noah's ark. They say, all the animals could not fit into that boat. Uh, you're not right. You are not correct in that statement because they could verse 16 tells us that again that it was three levels on the inside now if you multiply out that size even using the smaller number you come up with 1.5 cubic feet of space inside of the ark it would be equivalent to 522 standard box cars pulled behind a modern day train so ever been going up to barstow or something you see those big old long trains pulling a hundred hundred and twenty box cars okay so imagine five hundred and twenty two of those boxcars that's how much 1.5 million cubic feet is if you were to load sheep into 522 standard boxcars of a train you could fit in 125,000 sheep that's a lot of sheep okay just saying <laughs> anyway but we're told in verse 19 Noah was to bring two of every kind on the ark Okay, so it's just two of every kind. So you didn't have like, okay, it was two poodles, two chihuahuas, two Labrador retrievers. No, it was just two dogs, okay? That's how they make all these different dogs, okay? You have breeds, you take the small one, you breed it with a small one, you get a smaller dog, and you take two super, and you keep doing that. Like we have a golden doodle. He's kind of a nut. He's a crazy dog, okay? But anyway, he's a golden doodle. What's a golden doodle? Well, they've taken a standard size poodle and a full-size golden retriever, and they boom, they did this and it's a golden doodle. It's like if you take a full Labrador retriever and a, a full size poodle, it's a it's a labadoodle, okay? If you take a full size schnauzer and a full size poodle, it's a it's a snoodle, okay? So anyway, people will mix dogs. That's how they got all these different breeds of dogs now. They just kept mixing and mixing and mixing, and that's how you have them. But on the ark, two dogs. That's it, okay? So it's like you got two of each one of the animals and everything. And yet it must have all sounded just as crazy to Noah as it sounds to us today. Yet there's a reason that Noah is mentioned by name in the Bible 56 times. Do you know why he's mentioned 56 times? Do you know why Jesus talked about Noah in his day and his age to give us a heads up on the second coming of the Lord himself? Do you know why Noah landed himself in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11? Why is all this about Noah in the Bible? Why? Because we're told in verse 22, because Noah did all that God had commanded him to do. He was a faithful man. It didn't make any sense. It sounded crazy. And by the way, they lived a long time back then. It took them 100 years to build the ark. Okay, a hundred years, you're working on your art. I mean, it's like a hundred years. This wasn't like a building project. Me and my wife did a project in our house. took like three months. It's like, it seemed like a took for ever No, that was three months, okay? This was a hundred-year project, okay? One hundred years. But he did all that God commanded him to do. I wonder if that could be said of you and me. Do we do all that God has commanded us to do? Yes, God delivered Noah, just like God is going to deliver us. If God has given modern man, if he's given us a way of escape, should we not take it? Maybe we end where we started. Remember, we went to the Matthew 24, to the Olivet Discourse. Let's end where we started. It said, Jesus speaking, But of the day and the hour, no one knows, not in the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father alone for the coming of the son of man will be just like the days of Noah. So God's saying, you're not going to know the exact day. I'm not going to tell you it's going to be on September 3rd at three 30 in the afternoon, but I'm going to tell you it's going to be of this season. It's going to be when you see these things happening, know that the coming of the son of man is at hand. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were giving a marriage, they were in all kinds of sexual perversion. They were all over the place. Divorce rate was rampant until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the son of man be. See, people think there's gonna be this massive revival and then the rapture is gonna happen. I think it's going to be the opposite. Oh, I hope to see some kind of a movement. I hope that believers right now, I hope that you get excited about this. I hope you go home and get on your phone and bring someone to church tonight. And I hope that people come to Christ tonight. And I hope that that continues to happen. But I think the big revival is going to happen afterwards. I think when the rapture happens and the church is removed, people are going to know, oh, my goodness, it was just like the Bible said, just like in the days of Noah. But see, in the days of Noah, they didn't get a second chance. The flood came, and they were all washed away. But there will be a second chance. And the Bible says that the people that come to know Christ during the tribulation period, oh, they'll have to die for their faith. They will be executed for being a believer. Oh, you know if someone's a true believer, if they're willing to die for it, and people will have to die for their faith in the tribulation period. The Bible says that that number of people that come out of the tribulation period is innumerable.
1: Thanks for joining us for Core truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher, Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting CORE CHURCH LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789,
0: Los Angeles, California 90034.